Hello, my name is Dr. Chris Walensky, and I'm a laser dentist. You're listening to the Laser 101 podcast. I am so excited. Today, we are beyond fortunate to be visited by Dr. Robert Pick. He's a periodontist from just west of Chicago. And I have to say, if you are one of those docs who are working with lasers and you don't know who Dr. Pick is, shame on you. Almost 30 years ago now, Bob. Sorry, it's it's been a little while, but... Uh, Bob wrote, he actually co-wrote a book and published the first textbook on lasers in dentistry. And get this, it was called Lasers in Dentistry. So I think it's safe to say that uh, Bob is definitely one of the originals, the, the OGs, if you will, of laser dentistry. And in addition to that, he's a practice coach. He's in private practice. He leads the pick group. And then there's something about a purple cow in there somewhere too. I, I hope that we can uh, we can talk about that. Bob, welcome to the Laser 101 podcast. I'm so glad you're uh, here and you're able to make time in your schedule to join us. Chris, you made my day maybe a week ago when you reached out to me, and I'm always very honored when somebody remembers me. <laughs> so my pleasure, my honor to be here. Well, it's it's like you've maybe not switched, but you're 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 still famous. People still know you, but I I think it's a shame that uh, the laser people don't don't know what your contribution is to laser dentistry. So, well, we've got a lot to cover. So let's get right to it. Um, so it's what 30, 40 years ago, probably forty years ago now. What inspired you to start using lasers in your practice back in whatever? Yeah, it was nineteen eighty three. And uh, I've always taught a day a week, and I was teaching for the first I just finished my residency and uh, in, in periodontics, and I did a co-residency on all path. And uh, uh, it was my teaching day, and I had also, I was very honored, I had just been put on the uh, hospital staff and medical faculty at Northwestern, because when the residents now were coming through their program, and I was teaching at the post-grad level, they had many, many medical rotations, which was now excellent from anesthesia, uh, internal medicine, cardiology, et cetera. Uh, we needed somebody in my department to be on the medical staff to help instead of trying to go to other departments. Mm -hmm. So of all funny things, on a particular Thursday, I had a case with one of the residents that had to go into the operating room. Patient had a mental and physical disability. And so uh, at Northwestern at that time, the Department of Dentistry shared the operating rooms with ear, nose, and throat. And uh, at the time, the person in the operating room ahead of me was OR10. It's in a building that doesn't exist anymore at Northwestern. I wish we had iPhones. Uh, in the operating room, the building was old enough, there were windows that were there that had been permanently sealed at that point, that at one point, people in the operating room probably opened up the windows. But um, <laughs> the person doing the procedure was doing a tonsil repair, Bernie Bacaro. Bernie was our chairman of oral surgery at the time. He had just become chairman as a guy by the name of Don Casey passed away. Bernie was a DDS MD, and he was boarded in both oral and maxillofacial surgery and otolaryngology. And so I walked in the operating room because he was already an hour late, 
And I'm thinking, you know, any one of these guys that's, uh, you know, Pip, just hang on, buddy. Very dominant, very aggressive. And, you know, students were scared to death of him. <laughs> and uh, so I said, just curious how long you're going to be. Uh, about 10 minutes, Pip, calm down. And as I just about to turn to walk out, I noticed there was a machine in the operating room that was not there last week. And uh, and it was rare that I would even be in the operating room two weeks in a row. And it was in the corner. And there was this brand new sharp plan CO2 laser. Today, it would be like somebody driving a Ford 10 Lizzie. And it was taller than me. It had articulated arms throughout. The body itself was probably up to a little bit below my shoulders. The arms were above my head. And he said, oh, we just got that about five days ago. There's two of them. Oh, our 11 has one. It's a carbon dioxide laser. Uh, we got some training coming up. You're going to be in on the training. But watch this. So he has the team fire it up. He was suturing up this back of the tonsil. Today, he and I would be written up, patients intubated. He grabs the laser oh and he fires it at the back of the tonsil oh. and just vaporizes part of the tonsil away. Mm -hmm. No bleeding, just extreme accuracy. You could see because of no bleeding. God forbid he had to hit that intubation tube. Boom. Yeah. And turned it down. Did so the lights dim when you turned it on? No. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, a lot of power in that room. I did my case. And for the rest of the day, that was stuck in my head. I couldn't get it out of my head. And at the end of the day, I went down to his office and I, I said, hey, you, that, that was unbelievable up there. And I said, you vaporized that. I think this thing can be used in other ways. He goes, uh, whatever, pick a crazy. And so we were able to get the operating room in the hospital to bring it down to our outpatient center in the basement of the dental school. And I grabbed a couple pig things, pig jaws, played around with it. And next Thursday, we lined up four maxillary midline phrenectomies and did them. Because my dream was, holy, you don't have to, we don't have to cut this phrenectomy. We just vaporize it away. And so we did it. It was the first time. Anybody ever used a laser in the mouth? It's kind of cool. It comes back to me, which is hard to believe. And we did it. And Chuck Silverman was my chief resident at the time. And I said, oh, man, we got to call these patients. I'm worried they're going to be in severe pain because, you know, it left an open wound. But it, the accuracy was unbelievable. It took us a total of about 90 seconds to do the entire procedure. No suturing, no bleeding. It didn't, you know, we didn't think it was going to swell, but we were worried. Mm -hmm. So I woke up at two in the morning. I'm like, oh, God, I forgot to call Chuck. I called him, you know, on his regular phone. And I said, oh, my God, did you call these patients? He goes, yeah, I was almost going to call you, even though I know you're up all night. He goes, everybody was doing fine at 930. <laughs> really? And I'm like, was there anesthetic still working? He goes, no. I said, let's call them all in the morning. I'm still worried, man. We called all four. No one had any pain. No one had even taken a Tylenol. One said it felt a little funny, but they were okay. And then one week, of course, it had an eschar 
uh, which I don't think any of us knew what it was at the time, a white film. Yep. And by week three, it looked like nothing was done. Most of them had never, you know, took a pain pill, no bleeding, no swelling, no scarring, no suturing, reduction in surgical time due to seizure-go technology, and boom, the rest is history. And so that started the whole thing. So you're telling me 40 years ago was when the, the first maxillary labial phrenectomy was done using a laser, and you did it. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Two, two weeks later, we did lingual phrenectomies. Then about two weeks after that, we did a couple of fibromas on the cheek. And uh, and everything, just the lingual phrenectomies, there was some discomfort. And uh, we couldn't publish fast enough. Um, it was mind-blowing, is all I can say. And then shortly thereafter, my buddy Terry Myers, who's no longer with us, Yes. Up in Michigan, uh, took off with the ND Agalaser. Uh, my buddy Kim Cooch on the West Coast uh, took off, and the uh, rest is history. Cooch was a diode guy, right? Yes. Kim uh, used diode laser. Okay. So see, this is so f far before me. Back, I thought I was something in uh, 2003. I wrote a, uh, a text. It was a how to uh, use the YSGG wavelength. But Ten years before that, you wrote the first book on laser dentistry. Period. So, uh, how what 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 inspired you and Leo to to actually put something down like that? Yeah, there were. Um, matter of fact, before we went on, I'm like, oh shit, I got to grab something. I couldn't get to it fast enough. Was a list of my early publications. The first one was like in Jay Perio in 1984 on use of the laser for phenytoin hyperplasia. All kinds of stuff, and our surgery journal with Bernie Paparo on phrenectomy. And but um, uh, I sat down with Leo Mesrandino, who was an anodontist who had a fascination with lasers, and he was a classmate from dental school. And I said, "Listen, man, I am the most ADHD person I know, and that hasn't changed." I, I joke, I'm not ADHD. I'm ADHD, <laughs> and uh, I said, Leo, you're the most analytical dude I know. Let's sit down. We'll spend one weekend at your house, one week at my house. we got to write a book on lasers before someone else gets to it. And hence, we wrote the first textbook, Lasers in Dentistry. A very funny story on that is there's some guest uh, authors Mm -hmm. And uh, the person will remain nameless at this point. I get a phone call. He goes, you know, I'd love to co-write that chapter, but uh, how much money am I going to make if I co-write it? Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh, my God. So I said, well, here's the answer. You may make zero. I don't think you're going to become a millionaire, but you're most likely going to be in the first book ever on lasers in dentistry. And when you publish academically money is not there that's not what it's about it's about academics mm -hmm. there was dead silence on the phone for about four seconds and it goes okay i'm in <laughs> <laughs> wow so so i'm not sure that this is something you want to share with us but so we're in 83 you start using the laser in 95 i believe was when the book was published um I didn't get in, into it until around 98, 
99, somewhere around there. So you write a book, you're using lasers in practice, you're on top of the, the world, and then you just sort of seem to disappear. I, I didn't know, other than reading journal articles, and since you weren't around, I figured, oh my, man, this guy must be like 90 years old. But uh, what happened? You never know where time takes you. And at that point, I had been very involved in lasers. Um, if we can go backwards for a second. Sure. Um, recently, I was interviewed uh, by Gordon Christensen. And, and he goes, you know, anytime anybody uses a laser in the mouth, anywhere in the world, he goes, dude, it comes back to you. The no bleeding, no swelling, no scarring, no suturing, especially CO2. He goes, was that the greatest thing that ever happened with lasers? And I said, no, almost as fast as he could finish the sentence. And I said, it's an amazing legacy. But I said, one, today, this was 2022, most people don't even know who I am in lasers. But two, it put me face to face with the leaders of dentistry at the time was before the internet, we all would lecture at the same meetings. Oh, the sure. same speakers were at the same place, whether it was Yankee, whether it was Hinman, Greater New York, Tokyo meeting. And I said, all of a sudden, I found myself with you guys at speakers dinners. And I'm like, oh, my God, Gordy Christensen, Ron Goldstein, Dave Garber, Denny Tarnow. You guys were about 12 years older than me, so you guys were old. But the most important thing that happened is they all mentored me. And mentors, people, are, in my humble opinion, when I lecture on management, is the number one secret to success. Mentors. And there's a great quote by Jim Rohn. You're the sum of the five closest people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. that I usually joke, I'm messed up. I can use a bad word. I'm screwed. But <laughs> not really, but it's really true. So long story short, which is tough for me to do, in August 1998, uh, my appendix blew on a Monday morning. And uh, being on staff in Northwestern of Godson, blah, 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 one of my buddies took my appendix out. It was a weird appendix. We went through your belly button to get it and couldn't find it. and. Uh, but two days later, it turned out the reason it was a very difficult uh, appendix removal, I had one of the rarest tumors known to man, the first one ever at Northwestern. I had a cellular adenocarcinoma in my appendix. Hey. Because my appendix had blown, they were worried about spread, and I was given less than six months to live. Okay. And when you're given less than six months to live, it scares the, the the crap out of you uh being told you have a very cancer aggressive cancer like that is very difficult to hear oh yeah and being on staff in northwestern of godsend went through four, 14 months of experimental stuff here i am but there's a great quote by some dude by the name of al einstein in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity I told one of my colleagues at Northwestern I wasn't ready to go, went through the experimental stuff, and I said, I got to make some changes here. I had gotten bored, if that makes any sense, with lasers. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I totally I get it. To, I understand. I tend to be very excited on something. I go at it with full jet afterburners on, and then I'm like, all right, what's next? But I also felt, I'm not going to mention any companies, any names. I felt there was some ethical issues involved that began to bother me. And um, th- there's a Facebook group today called Dentistry in General. Bob D, who runs it, whenever there's an ethics question, he always tags me. And I'm like, quit tagging me. <laughs> but ethics is very important to me. And I felt that when money overrides what's correct, that's not right. And there's nothing wrong with money, people. I like money. And when people tell me money doesn't buy health, I go, boy, you just told the wrong person. Because, you know, maybe money helped me get a better room at Northwestern. But money buys freedom, people. I know this is about lasers, but money buys freedom. And freedom is huge. And so I said, you know, I got a practice partnership that I knew was not working for my first year in practice. Mm-hmm. And the practice had been going on now for 14 years, from 2000, from 1984. I bought out my practice partner in about three months into the whole thing. I was still coming to work, even though I was tired on Monday. And um, said, I don't care if you practice in the same building, just not working. I love my team. And so bought my partner out. I realized I knew nothing about running a dental business. Hang hang on a second. Hang on a second. So are you saying that three months after your diagnosis, you bought your your partner out? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. I was uh, going through chemo. Hadn't started the radiation yet. Uh, uh, Every Friday for two hours, chemo. It was an experimental chemo at the time, and I would come in on Monday a little bit exhausted, uh, but by uh, Friday, that next Friday, I was a little bit energized, but, you know, I was 43 years old, ton of energy, mm-hmm. and I said, just not working. Our pra- and my practice partner is a great guy. I, I would sit down in his chair, but wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. Our overhead, I started looking at the practice. I'm like, oh, my, my God. Our overhead was cuckoo. I signed a secrecy agreement with one of my mentors. And until he dies, I can't say who it is. But I hired his, what today is called a coach. It was a consultant back then. And I said to her, let's crank. And for two years, I immersed myself with my team and her systems. And my practice went off vertical again with jet afterburners on. And jet afterburners, people, is when you're in a high-performance jet, it's when you push the power all the way up, and all the way up, the afterburners come on, and off you go, baby. I and see so- I see Tony smiling. Uh, this is good. We have a, our producer, Tony, is just a huge uh, – anyway, I don't I – don't, but NASA, JPL, he, he's all about that. Okay. Yes, and uh, you, got, and you better have that stick all the way back. And uh, – so long story short, um, I, I know I'm going long here, but I think this is important to the whole. No, it, it's it's important to we're, and, we're we're trying to get to the to the bottom of this, and it shows what can happen. So you know, two years later, I have survived 
all of the 14 months of experimental chemo and radiation. Uh, I signed off on potentially 47 side effects. They were where he could get me. My weight came back on in about two months. Uh, it was like nothing happened except a scar that was, oh my God, to this day, it starts just below kind of like my thorax, circles around my belly button, goes off to the right to my appendix, and then partially down my leg because that's where they found my appendix. It was burned into my inguinal canal and I couldn't find it. And but, um, I've never heard of such a thing. So it was not a laparoscopic procedure. You have a, you have a, a scar a mile long. And uh, so long story short, after two years of immersing myself in Cochex, I had a brainstorm. And again, there are great things that came from lasers. And early on, I was at some Fortune 500 companies that wanted to get into the laser business. And I had been invited to a company called GE. They wanted to possibly get into dental lasers. They were doing a retreat. Some guy comes out, hi, I'm Jack Welch. Hi, I'm Bob Pick. <laughs> Who knows Jack Welch? And uh, that's how stupid I was at the time. No, stupid is the word, but I just that's what it is. And I knew G was, but so I realized, you know, about 19, uh, about three, four years before I'd been to these companies. And I said to myself, bingo, light bulb went on. I said, and I started doing some homework very early on in the internet. A lot of Fortune 500 companies do biannual retreats to make their companies better, stronger, richer. And I said to my team, block off this time. We're going to go away from the office for a day. And we're going to do something that I don't have a title for yet. And when I started the day, I said, I got the title. We are doing the PBR, Pick Business Team Building Retreat. And it became a staple. After two years, it jumped to two days biannually. It is the second most read article in dentistry today called Use Retreats to Develop a Fortune 500 Company. And, uh, and it doesn't stop. And But if it wasn't for lasers, none of that would have occurred. And I think what you hear is I still use lasers every day oh, in my yes. practice. Yeah. Bob, I think this would be a great time to end this segment and then pick it up later. Would that be okay with you? Yes. Awesome. You're the best. Please join us next time as we continue to explore the fascinating world of lasers and dentistry. And I've actually got Bob to agree to share with us his favorite laser procedure. This is pretty neat. And we're also going to find out exactly what a purple cow is. And then finally, I've asked Bob to share with us a simple, really, really simple, but extremely powerful practice building technique that everyone should be using. And I'm serious. This is awesome. And you're going to love it. So hope you join us again next week here on the Laser 101 podcast. 